Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the Steelers Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Steelers Wire editor, Kurt Popejoy. We haven't discussed it, but I think, um, you know, I would assume as a group you understand that, you know, we probably aren't supposed to be here. We're probably not a very good football team. We're the, out of 14 teams I think are in, we're probably number 14. Um, We're double-digit underdog in the playoffs. So let's just go play and have fun and see what happens. Hey there, welcome into the show. Uh, Playoff edition of the Steelers Wire podcast. Our first playoff edition, Kurt. And I'm still stunned a couple days later from the Steelers clinching. How the hell are we talking about a Steelers playoff game this week? I have no clue. You know, I, I keep thinking I'm going to wake up and it's going to be like, no, the, the Jags, you know, lost by 40 and, <laughs> and the dream was crushed by 3 p.m. And why are you even thinking about this? But yeah, I, everything that had to happen happened in the most dramatic way possible. Um, you know, three games hung in the back, you know, the playoffs hung on three games and all three of those games went about as as odd as they could to uh, to still work out for Pittsburgh. It was it, that 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 week that one day you know put years on my life uh, took years off my life, and I'm not sure that uh, I, I, you know I don't know. It was it was nuts. You know, you stay up and watch that late game, and and you just assume that that's going to go the way it is, and then the more you watch it, the the conspiracy theorist comes out and you <laughs> wonder what, you what exactly is happening. When that thing went to overtime, I mean, I, I think we were all still watching it because our 15-point lead for the Chargers, that's weird, but you still know, okay, you could still get to a tie here, though. You could still get to a tie. <laughs> a tie is still possible, mm-hmm. and you couldn't help yourself. And, and when that thing went to overtime, I think we all felt it, right? We all we all felt like it was going to end in a tie, Chargers-Raiders. <laughs> right? None of us thought that well, that game was going to end any differently. And it was ridiculous because you go on Twitter in the second half and every time one of the teams would score, everybody's on Twitter doing the math on what it would take <laughs> yeah. for a tie to happen after that. Well, they, they got a touchdown here, but two field goals and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, wow, this is, this is really where we are, you know, that what, what does the other team have to do? And they, they did it. I mean, they brought it to overtime. Um, at first, it really felt like, you know, this was one of those situations where, one team was going to really come out hard and, and, and want to win it. And then when the Raiders got that ball the last time, it really just felt like, you know, the two head coaches had given some kind of a hand signal mm-hmm. and it decided they were just going to let this one roll. And, uh, and I don't know what the chargers co- I mean, we've heard so many stories <clears throat> about the, what was going on on the Raiders side what was going on on the Chargers side that, that got them to the point where the Raiders went ahead and kicked that field goal. But the, the, it, it really felt like that timeout had a big part in it. It, it really felt like that timeout that the Chargers took um, sort of changed the mind of the, of the Raiders, Raiders staff. And, you know, after the game, um, Derek Carr, he really kind of confused everybody with his comments. He he comes out and says that the the timeout changed their their uh, you know their plan, and then followed it up with, "But we were always going to try to win anyway." Well, those two things don't really line up. And so, were you were you really going to kick the field goal? You know, if Josh Jacobs doesn't get that long run, do they 
you know, they almost certainly don't, don't try again. And so, yeah, it was, it was just bizarre. It was bizarre on so many levels. And I, I said it on Twitter to me personally, and this is just the fan, I guess, in me talking, I would never have wanted the Steelers. It, let's say in the noon game in overtime, if the Steelers and Ravens would have tied, they both would have gone to the playoffs and it would have bumped like say the chargers or something like that. I would have never wanted a spot in the playoffs based on that tie. I don't want to put the Ravens into the playoffs. I mean, to me that that would be a point of pride not to let your most hated rival have a free pass into the playoffs. But I guess the chargers and Raiders don't dislike each other as much as the Steelers and Ravens do, because it was a, to even entertain that you would let a division opponent into the playoffs free just blows my mind. Yeah. You, can you imagine Tom and Harbaugh <laughs> doing a little wink, nod, hugging a kiss yeah. after the game after a tie. Come on, yeah. come on. And, yeah, no way. And I think, with the Raiders at the end, I think what Carr might have been trying to say, I'm trying to trying to help him out here because I, I agree it was confusing his post game. I think what he was trying to say was like they wanted the tie to be the the worst case scenario, but they did want to win, and I I believe that they did want to win the game because if the Raiders and Chargers, so if the Raiders would have been nice, Kurt, and let the Chargers tie and get in and kick out the Steelers, well, the Raiders would have been the seventh seed, and it would have been the Raiders going to Kansas City. Uh, this weekend for the playoff game. Oh, and the, yeah. And the Raiders have gotten annihilated twice by the Chiefs this year. <laughs> that's a division yeah, rival. They, they want no part of Kansas City, right? That's true. That's true. They don't want it. They don't want that. They'd much rather go to Cincinnati. Absolutely. And take it on the Bengals than to go again. I, I, nobody, wanted to play, nobody wants to play the Chiefs. Trust me. Nobody wants to play the Chiefs. No, 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 no. That's... Especially the Raiders. Especially the Raiders. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, I think that was playing in it. I mean, yeah, the, the Raiders win the game. They catapult past the Patriots all the way to number five and go to Cincinnati, which we were talking before we started recording, Kurt. Haven't won since a play. They haven't won a playoff game since Boomer yeah. Sison was the quarterback, right? So yeah. that's a yeah. long time ago. 1990. So that was yeah, definitely. They, they won a playoff game since I graduated high school. So that. That tells you because I'm an old man, yeah, so you're that's, da- you're that's dating, not good for them. You're dating yourself there, Kurt. You're dating yourself. Oh, uh, yeah, that's uh, fine. That's fine. And another thing that's playing in here is that on that timeout by Brandon Staley, man, people saying like, oh, the, the Raiders are going to kneel the ball. They weren't going to kneel the ball, right? Because Derek Carr was in the shotgun. So they're not going to kneel the ball. Right, they were probably right. going to just hand it off to yeah. Jacobs and see what happens. And if, if they lost yep. yards or something, they probably would have let the clock run out. Or maybe at yeah. least try to try a field goal, but I think the timeout made the Raiders get a better run play on right where they put Carr under center, right? And they brought the tight end across to to get the edge that sprung Jacobs for the the run that set up the field goal. I think the timeout yep. helped them calm it down and get in a better play. So that's where you can attack Brandon Staley, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. I think I think that the timeout. Yeah, you just had to go back and kind of watch the replay to see that they weren't they weren't planning to just take a knee. In either instance, I mean, they weren't, you know, even when they came back out of the timeout, they were going to run a play. Now, you know, uh, sometimes a handoff is, 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 serves the same purpose as, as taking a knee, but had, had Jacobs got stuffed at the line of scrimmage, you're right. They probably don't try again. You know, they just let it go and, and that's the end of it. Well, well during that game, the uh, the camera shot of that one Steeler fan in the crowd in Vegas being like, come on guys, don't end the yeah. tie. Probably my favorite exactly. thing that, that happened in Week 18 easily. The other thing I loved was uh, not only the Colts losing, but 
the folks in Jacksonville, you know, those who bothered to show up, the fans, dressing up as clowns to protest yeah. the organization. I mean, that's where they're at in Jacksonville. The Jags were in line for the number one seed, Kurt. They didn't want to win. They didn't want to beat the Colts. <laughs> no business winning. Now, they still ended right. up with the top pick somehow, even beating top the Colts. Pick either way. Yeah, yeah. They still got it. But they didn't want to win. And it's just like Carson Wentz bringing down the Colts <laughs> and opening the door for Pittsburgh as they won that like really tough game against Baltimore in overtime themselves. Yeah. Just amazing, man. I, I, I still, yeah, that was, that what, was a, what a weekend. What a weekend. So, so that's where we're at. Craziness. The Steelers are in. They're the biggest underdog on the board at 11 and a half. What's your early mm-hmm. thoughts, Kurt, on, on the Steelers going back up against Patrick Mahomes and that team? We just saw them a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, Kansas City didn't have Travis Kelsey. Tyreek Hill barely caught any passes. And Kansas City just beat the brakes off the Steelers, you know. And so you have to wonder what's different now between since since that game. I think for I think for both teams it kind of it's kind of on the defensive side of the ball. I think the Pittsburgh defense is playing a lot better football than they were um, in that game, and I don't think the Chiefs defense is playing quite as well. And so I think it's ultimately going to come down to no don't 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 get me wrong, it's going to take a monumental effort by Pittsburgh to to hold off the Chiefs in the first matchup. Steelers turned the ball over way too much. Um, it's bad enough on, on a level playing field to take on an offense like Kansas City, but you start giving them short fields, you're just you, you're just giving them points, and that's what happened in the first first matchup. Um, but I think that I think that Pittsburgh, if they if they have any hope of this, um, <clears throat> it's going to come down to the defense. They've got to get get the Chiefs off the field. You know, Mike, Mike Tomlin preaches about those possession downs, those third downs. How, how bad the Steelers have been on third down. They've been better on third down these last two weeks. So can they do that against Kansas City? And if they do, then they've got to turn around and hope that Najee Harris's arm is healthy enough to let him run the football. I know he came back out, he carried the ball in his offhand, and, and you know, after he sat out you know, practically two quarters of the game um, on Sunday – but I think their only hope is sustained drives. You know, they're going to have to have to eat clock. That's one of the things we've seen. When Pittsburgh plays poorly, the, their time of possession is just miserable compared to the opponents. They just don't give themselves enough offensive snaps to score points sometimes. And I think if they want to, they want to hang with Kansas City and keep this close. It's it's holding on to that football and running the ball. And, and, you know, eight-minute drives, even if they turn into field goals, eight, nine-minute drives are the only way to, to really make this work. And I, I, I don't, you know, I've been thinking a lot about my prediction, you know, how I want this to, how I want this to turn out and how I think it's going to turn out. Um, I, I think it was great the Steelers found a way into the playoffs. I don't think this is the year that Mike Tomlin gets redemption and gets a win. But I do think they're going to put up a much better fight than they did in that game the day after Christmas. Agreed. I mean, well, I mean, if the Chiefs go up fourteen nothing immediately again, like they did last time, then forget it. Yeah, Pittsburgh has no yeah. chance. But I, I think we're going to see a more competitive Pittsburgh team. Eleven and a half points seems seems insane uh, to to give me with Pittsburgh. But we will make our official predictions here coming up. We'll actually we'll actually dig a little bit deeper into this matchup. But first. Big Ben's last dance, Kurt, gets an encore, right? We all thought yeah. Week 18 would be it for Big Ben. That isn't the case, but 
Let's still cover Big Ben and, and what seemed like his final game at Heinz Field a couple weeks ago against Cleveland. We'll do that right after this. This is the typical sports book minute. Let's make this interesting. What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by sportsbookwire.usatoday.com. I'm here with my handicapping homie, Nathan Beagle, to break down this weekend's NFC wildcard round matchup between the Arizona Cardinals and the Los Angeles Rams. Our friends at Tipico Sportsbook have the Rams favored three and a half points and the total sitting at 49 and a half. I'm taking the Rams. I'm laying the three and a half because McVay has owned Kingsbury since Kingsbury joined the NFL. Uh, the Rams are five and one straight out, four one and one against the spread versus the Cardinals since 2019. And Murray, Kyler Murray, has struggled against the Los Angeles Rams with just an 81.8 quarterback rating, seven touchdowns to nine turnovers. Nate, how do you see this game playing out? Yeah, I'm also on the Rams to cover. They're going to be healthier in this game and also have the advantage in the trenches. Cardinals have lost four of their last five. Take the Rams minus three and a half. That was your Tipico Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. See tipico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. All right, Kurt, we were talking about Big Ben referencing his last dance. I mean, I know nothing's ever 100% in the NFL, especially with quarterbacks, but it sure felt like Ben knew it was his last time on Heinz Field, right, against Cleveland. And oh, you see yeah. the victory lap, the post game. It does feel like this is it for him. For sure. For sure. I think I think he knows this is it. You know, Mike Tomlin made a comment after the after the Ravens game how, how cool um, – Roethlisberger is and how when everybody else is getting tight, he stays loose and all those sorts of things. Honestly, I think that's probably as much to do, at least in the last couple of weeks, with the fact that he knows this is it for him. There's nothing to, you know, I I, I don't have to hold back. I don't have to, to worry about it. I got a couple more games in me and that's it. But at this point, I don't, I don't think even the, even the, the most hardcore Steelers fan has any hope that that Ben is going to be back next year? I think this is a pretty fitting way to go out. You know, he got him into the playoffs in a in a pretty textbook Roethlisberger kind of way. Right. Um, now he's going to go out. You know, on Sunday, probably make a couple of the most insane throws that people are going to point to and say that's why he's going to the Hall of Fame. And he's probably going to throw an interception that's going to be one of the worst throws you've ever seen. It's not going to come out of his hand clean. Um, and he's going to finish his career the way he's always played it. You know, he's just going to go all out. And that's that's all anybody could ever ask of him. You know, when re- former Ravens players were talking about him last week heading into the game, you know, the terms they kept using, he's a gladiator, he's a warrior. You know, and I don't I don't expect that to look any different on Sunday against the Chiefs. Um, and I think he's going to be able to to retire knowing that he did everything he could to, to make this team successful, brought a couple of Super Bowls to the city, um, and and just be be happy with that. You know, it's it's a shame that the 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 Browns game, you know, wasn't sort of the end. I mean, I'm glad that they got to keep playing football, obviously, but that was such an emotional moment. And you know, I was honestly. As much as I was worried, um, 
about about making the playoffs when when that Chargers Raiders game was happening on Sunday night, I was as much worried that this was going to be the legacy that ended Roethlisberger's career. That he was gonna <clears throat> he was gonna go out having missed his final chance at the playoffs because of a tie between the Chargers and Raiders. Terrible. Like, is this really you know? Yeah. They're, they're, this is how his career was going to end on a on a tie between two teams that he had nothing to do with. And I was real, that was to me was as big a concern as whether or not the Steelers made the playoffs. I didn't want his last game, you know, to, to basically be forgotten that win in, in Baltimore would have been forgotten had they missed the playoffs because the Chargers and Raiders played to a tie. That would have been awful. Yeah. And then, you know, he could even look back at the, the game, the Steelers tied Ben didn't even play in that game. So right, I mean, yeah, right. and that would have been one we looked at. Like that tie against Detroit would have been what kept them out of the playoffs if the Chargers or Raiders would have tied. But uh, let's get into the weeds a little bit. Uh, you you mentioned Big Ben's legacy. Uh, you have him as the second greatest Steeler of all time. You and your your team at the Steelers Wire, Kurt. That must have been kind yeah. of a fun list to put together. But you have him as the best offensive player in Steelers history. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he, you know, and I know that being you know my age. Fans my age typically kind of defend Terry Bradshaw or they defend Franco Harris. Um, but I don't think there's a – I think when you look at the, the legacy of Ben Roethlisberger, um, he basically won two championships with a bunch of guys who aren't going to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, he, he elevated the play of players around him. He was never – at one time in his entire career, he led the league in passing. He never led the league in passing touchdowns. His, his, his efficiency was always good. His quarterback rating was always high, but none of his other stats. You know, I, we used to joke all the time, he was never a quarterback you want to draft for fantasy football because he wasn't going to give you those kinds of numbers. But he, he broke every statistical record in franchise history. Yeah, I, I'm completely comfortable – calling him the second, the, the best offensive player to ever play for the Steelers. Now, I know there's some people who want to take exception with the fact that I have him number two all time of all players that a lot of, a lot of fans like to throw some more defensive players up in front of him. But when you look at those defensive players from those teams of the seventies, that, you know, the Jack Lamberts and the, the, the Donnie shells and the, you know, p- people like that, Mel Blunts and, and those kind of guys, they all played together. And I think you really have to give, been credit for the fact that, you know, he won a Super Bowl with 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 a, an aging Jerome Bettis and Willie Parker as his running backs, Antoine Randall as his, you know, and as as one of his receiver, you know, he's, you know, I I can't say enough about about his accomplishments that kind of extend beyond the box score. It's easy to look at a guy like Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and people like that and. And, and look at their numbers and go, it's just miraculous the numbers they put up. But I think, I think what Ben did went way past box score stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, I give credit to Joe Green. Joe Green will always be the number one stealer of all time. There's never going to be a, a, a player who did what he did. Um, but, yeah, Big Ben's my number two. And uh, I, I just love it when the old guys get mad at me for it. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he just surefire Hall of Famer. Um, I'm glad he got oh, yeah. two. I'm, I'm glad he got two Super Bowls. People could argue that he should have had more. Uh, maybe should have won more playoff games in the latter part of his career. But at least he got two, Kurt. Right? If he had one, yeah. like Aaron Rodgers, uh, that you'd feel a little bit worse about his legacy. But 
Uh, surefire Hall of Famer. One thing that that people are always going to bring up is uh, maybe his character off the field. He obviously yeah. had sexual assault. He was suspended for sexual assault. You know, a, a mm-hmm. case that was settled outside of the court. Uh, you know, when you have money, you can make stuff like that go away, Kurt. So uh, yeah. that's something that's always going to be a knock on Ben. But I think, you know, maybe we could say he's repaired his image enough uh, that that's more of a footnote now in his career. I mean, it's a long time ago, but still that's there. Uh, you can't gloss over yeah. it. And, you nope. know, the the Steelers, they were always knocking at the door of a playoff berth, even in their down years. But you look at you look at the latter stage of Ben's career. I know he was like... You know, when I was growing up watching the Steelers, I was a little bit younger. I mean, he was always like Superman, right? Extending plays, making these crazy mm-hmm. throws with guys hanging off him. Uh, in the latter stages of his career, we've seen him kind of be the opposite of that, right? He's been a guy that gets rid of the ball faster than anybody else, uh, throwing the yeah. ball short of the sticks. It really was was different in the latter part of his career. And I know a lot of people are going to say, was Ben doing everything he could to be a great athlete? Was he in the best shape of his career, right? Was he like... Drew Brees and Brady and Rodgers and Manning in their late 30s, uh, you know, was he out of shape? You know, stuff like that. I think those are things that right. that people are going to throw at Ben. So, surefire Hall of Famer, one of the best quarterbacks of all time, but it's complicated with him, right? His legacy. It is. It is. And I and I think it's it's easy to you know in a subject you know a subjective sort of list leaving leaving him out of the top ten you're not going to get a whole lot of complaints out of me. Um, my, my only thing has always been that I never liked it when I would see a list of all time, great quarterbacks and see Terry Bradshaw ahead of him. Um, just from a Steelers point of view, I never felt like anything that Terry did was comparable to what, what Ben did. Um, he never did it with the, you know, Ben never did it with the level of talent around him that, that Bradshaw did. Um, but yeah, I, I, I absolutely get the criticisms of Ben from the character stuff where he had a lot of growing up to do during his time in the, in the NFL, um, to the, this, this idea that maybe he wasn't the, the, you know, and and a lot of it had to do with the fact of when Ben played, you know, a lot of people talk about, well, he didn't make enough pro bowls or he wasn't named to the all pro team enough or anything like that. Well, he had to share the AFC with Tom Brady for a long time. And he had to share the AFC with Peyton Manning for a long time. And there's just not a whole lot of room for a third great quarterback when you had those two guys in the same conference for so long. And so I think that he, he does, you know, he kind of gets dinged a little bit for the fact that he played during a time when there are, have been some amazing quarterbacks in the NFL. You know, even going back to the start of his career when he was playing so well for a young player still completely overshadowed by the other guys in the league at that time. And so I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that he kind of flew under the radar. You know, he just, he never put up gaudy numbers. And when you have to, when your chance of making pro bowls and all pros has to do with beating out guys like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning for 10 years, that's tough to do. That's tough for any quarterback to do. And so I think that he always was just kind of in the background and he never was, um, he never was given really the credit and I'm not saying he should have gotten it. I'm not one of those. I'm not one of those. He's, he, he didn't get the credit he deserved or, and all those sorts of things, but I don't think he ever took the approach to, to the game. I mean, you can't really compare to like a guy like Tom Brady who kind of, you know, is the standard that everybody looks to, but you know, he, I, I definitely understand the criticisms that, you know, he would come into camp sometimes out of shape and it would take him a little while to get back up to speed 
Um, but I'm not sure there was an, you know, to look at it from the other side, I'm not sure there's ever been a tougher quarterback to ever play. I mean, I'm not sure there's a guy who took the hits he hit took and continued to play. I mean, how many times do we see him go down, take hits in the knees, take hits in the ribs, the shoulders, and and be back on the field later in the game? I mean, that was just all, that that to me will always be kind of his legacy as much as anything. He wasn't the fastest guy. He didn't have the strongest arm. He didn't put up the best numbers, but he might have been one of the toughest quarterbacks to play during his time in the league. Oh, I would agree with that. I mean, you talked about fantasy football. If you did queue up uh, Big Ben in your fantasy league, you knew he was going to play all four quarters in that game, no matter what. Yeah. He could, his knee could get knocked off, or he'd just stand on one leg and throw the ball. Uh, so, I mean, that, that's what it is. And, and I think Steelers fans are going to be enjoying the hell out of this playoff run. Uh, no matter how long it lasts, uh, you know, get get a couple more throws from Big Ben before things get weird next year with a new quarterback for Pittsburgh. You know, it's going to be different. Yeah. It's going to be different. But all right. So back to this game prediction time, Kurt. My gut reaction, as I hinted to earlier, is to take the points because I think Steelers 11 and a half seems, ins- seems insane, even against the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs defense has come back down to earth a little bit. Tyree kills banged up. And you were right on Steelers Wire that you think that the defense has rallied a little bit. I, I know the mm-hmm. offense, I still don't feel a lot of conf- you know, very confident in the offense. But with the Chiefs defense, you know, not looking as, as crazy good as they were maybe mid in the middle of the year, I think I would take Steelers plus eleven and a half. I think if I was making yep. a bet, I'm looking at the total on um Typico as well, the over under, forty six and a half. I don't know. I think Steelers plus eleven and a half, I think that's a bet I would make. I think I think the Chiefs win the ball game. I don't think they win by 11.5, even though that first game was a blowout. I like the Steelers to keep this one close and make it a game. I do, too. I think Pittsburgh's going to get some guys back this week. Um, Mike Tomlin has said he's pretty confident that the guys who did get dinged up last week are all going to be able to play. Um, so, yeah, I like it. I've, I've had in my head kind of a 31-21 kind of final score um, ever since the, ever since Sunday night. And so, I like I said, I, I think that that the Steelers defense will do a little better job this week. Um, but I, I, you know, I, I don't have any misconceptions about the, the final outcome necessarily, but I think if you can get 11 and a half, I think the Steelers are going to keep it that close. All right, Kurt, enjoy some playoff football, man. Enjoy some playoff football. Yes, this sir. Weekend. I thought we were wrapping up the team this week. I thought it was over. I we got another I game. was going to start talk, ready to start talking draft. Yeah. Yeah. We got another game. I hope you all enjoy it uh, for Kurt. I'm Ryan O'Leary. Come catch us next week. We'll be back to break it down. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.